actually this week, um, for the very first time, my wife left for 16 days to go to Israel with her grandfather. Don't worry, we've got everything figured out with uh, someone at home. Her grandfather helped supply someone to watch the kids when I'm at work. But man, I'm telling you, like I knew my wife's job was hard. It is way harder than I thought. Uh, ladies, uh, the moms out there, I do not know how you do it. My wife can spend way more plates than I could possibly ever spend. And so the Bible tells us in Proverbs 31, 31, that honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. We're not at the city gate, but we're in the house of the Lord. And so, gentlemen, I'm going to ask for your help. We don't do this every weekend, but it's been a lot of fun to do it to honor and celebrate the women in our life. Before we do it, though, I want to warn the ladies. First of all, we want to apologize that sometimes we have difficulty expressing our appreciation and emotional connection with you. But we're going to do it to the best of our ability, the way that we know how. So I'm going to ask all the men to stand up. And here's the thing. Come on up. Stand on up. And we're going to have, we're going to celebrate the women here. And I know you're like, oh, dude, I don't want to. We can do this. We can do this. We can do it when we go to Lucas Oil Stadium after a couple of beverages. We have no problem celebrating. We're going to do it for the women we care about in our life. But ladies, we're going to do it the way we know how to do it, which is with grunting and yelling. So just pretend it's a nice, uh, you know, sensitive, emotional hug right now that we're doing. And here's how we're going to do it, fellas. We're going to start with the, not yet, we're going to start with the slow clap. We can do that, yeah. Okay, yeah, there we go. I'll pick it up a little bit. We're going to pick up the pace. See, we can do this. We love the women in the room. We want to celebrate you. And as we pick it up, we're going to shout. We're going to grunt. We're going to yell. We're going to celebrate. Here we go, gentlemen. We love you, women. Woo! Yeah. We are thankful for you and appreciate you. Yeah. Way to go, guys. Man, it got a little nuts. I knew you could handle that. I knew you could handle that. Um, Hey, we are honored that you all are here with us. I'm going to invite you to power on your Bibles and look to Luke chapter 1 as we study a world-changing woman that I bet you've rarely ever heard a sermon on. Luke chapter 1 in the gospel. As you're turning there or powering on your Bibles, the title of this uh, weekend's message is to be a world-changing woman. It'll apply to everyone here, but especially I want to encourage and challenge the, the women in our room because we have so many awesome followers of Jesus and leaders of the faith who are women. Little side note to the fellas, I mentioned this at all of the services as you're turning to Luke chapter 1. Be sure, and this is going to sound really weird, be sure and go to the men's restroom, either one of them, before you leave here. We just wanted to help you out this weekend, and I realize it sounds creepy, but go check it out. You're going to appreciate it. Anybody been in there yet? Anybody been in there? Oh yeah, see, look at that. There you go. Be sure and check that out. It's a lot of fun. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, we're going to study Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. And what she does here might seem insignificant or like she's not doing anything really to change the world. But her son that she will care for and her faith will lead to John the Baptist paving the way for all of Jesus' ministry. Kind of the opening band for Jesus. And look what happens here in verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. He's going to be the dad of John the Baptist, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. 
but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. This isn't the only account of someone who had difficulty having a child in the Old or New Testament. This happens repeatedly. And in this passage, they had been praying, we know from later on, for a very long time, decades most likely, for a child that never happened. And while we never get guarantees how God is going to answer our prayers, what I find unique about Elizabeth, how she succeeds, where her husband in this passage will actually fail is, that her faith was not based off of a situation or a circumstance. The big question I want to ask you this weekend, is your faith based on a situation? Is your faith based on a situation? Let's be clear. Define this for a second. In other words, when you pray for God to give you a a husband or a wife or a child or a house or the car or the job that you wanted or whatever it is that you're praying for in your life, and he answers the prayer the way that you desired, that he loves you. Now he loves you. But when you pray... And in faith, in the situation that you're facing, and he responds, and he doesn't answer the prayer that you prayed the way that you want, then now somehow he doesn't love you. He doesn't care for you. What I'd like to share with you is that Elizabeth's faith is not based off of a situation. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. And that's at the heart of what I'd love for us to discuss as a church. We spent five weeks looking at what heaven would be like, and last week, Pastor Darren did an amazing job talking about what it looks like to bring heaven to earth. And if that inspired you, and you say, man, I want to do something. I look around this world, and I see hurt, and I see pain, and I see suffering, and I want to spread the good news of Jesus Christ and help those people in need, the twofold mission that every Christian is set on. What does it look like for you to change the world in your context? Because most people I meet feel inadequate as if they could never do that, that they'll never be one of those people that God truly uses And I want to encourage us to become the world changers that God calls each of us to be. Will you pray with me? God, I know I have a lot of fun, but I I really am so thankful for every person in this room right now. I was somebody for a long time that didn't want anything to do with church and struggled uh, in in a space like this. And so, God, wherever we're at spiritually or if we're attending online, we pray that you'd speak directly to us. We acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit with us, and may you use us. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Before I get into this message and break down Luke chapter 1, i got to do something unique at this service. Uh, my mom is actually here today, right here. Mom, you want to stand up? Go ahead and stay up. You can clap for us. Wait, stand all the way up. That was the full reach. Okay. Just, that was a short joke if you're checking, but... My mom is amazing. She's the best mom in the world. Aaron is completely wrong. Uh, We're going to dock his pay this weekend. She was there when I threw water balloons at people on the second story chimney working on it and made me make lemonade for them afterwards. She was there when I took my sister and one of her friends and did the G.I. Joe move and knocked their heads together. She was there. I know I was a bad kid. I was there. She was there when I made a, tried to make a bomb out of gasoline and a ping pong ball. I don't know if you remember that one. She's an amazing woman, and so I just wanted to say at this service, thank you, Mom, I love you, and I'm so glad that you're here and get to be here with us. So, I don't know what emotions Mother's Day brings for you. What, what I do know is that what I'm going to share, no matter what the circumstance or situation you face yourself, you see yourself faced in, that following the Lord and changing the world is actually difficult and hard work. It's pretty simple sometimes, but it's hard. I got to go to uh, Echo Church last weekend, one of the eight uh, church plants that you all have helped partner with through Multiply Indiana in just the last year and a half. 
And I just want to celebrate that three more church plants are starting this fall. Five of them already exist. And there are people every weekend coming to Christ who will never be in this building. And I think that's amazing and a testament to the multiplication that you all desire. Echo Church baptized seven people just two weeks ago. How cool is that? Some of them coming to the faith for the very first time. And I was, was preaching there after just returning from New York City. Uh, they had heard about what was happening here, and they invited us to go connect with leaders from around the country that are planting lots of churches. And so I got to meet with uh, pastors. Some of them have planted as many as hundreds or even thousands of churches. And I got to hear how God has used them in their lifetime and what can we learn, and it was amazing. But I was in New York, actually in Brooklyn, which sounds really cool and fun, except for I was in the basement of an old church building for almost the entire time in lectures and discussions. But I did get one afternoon, and uh, Ethan, who's involved with multi- President of Multiply Indiana, is actually, but wait, wave at us, Ethan, he's at this service. He and I got to uh, have one afternoon where we, it was a nice day. I'd never been in New York when it was sunny out, but it was sunny, and so we took bikes along the shore of Brooklyn, and we crossed the Brooklyn Bridge. If, how many people have been to New York before? I had never done this before. We're going across the Brooklyn Bridge, which seemed ancient to me. I'm like, is this thing going to disintegrate as I go across? And there are wooden, it's wooden, or wooden planks, and you ride, it's like the whole way over. And there are people who literally commute every day, and they're very good at it. There was a line that for the thousands of people who are trying to walk across the bridge, they have to stay on this side of the line, and then the other side is for the bike riders. Now, here is the thing. The bike riders in this one little lane are going both uh, towards Manhattan and towards Brooklyn, so you're constantly trying to figure out how do I not wreck and die (laughs) or run into the thousands of people walking right here. And uh, Ethan, he was much faster than me. He had kind of gotten ahead a little bit, and I was pedaling the bike when I noticed that a walker had crossed the line. I was like, dude, do you know what you were doing? That's why the light exists. I don't want you to die. And I look up. And there is a commuter on his bicycle. As we are heading uphill, he is coming downhill. And after commuting every single day, you get so tired of all these tourists walking in your path. And I noticed that he was going very fast. And the guy walking in the bike lane is headed right towards him. Disaster is about to occur. I want to call the ambulance already. He looks up, sees the bike. And because he was so important, he's like, I don't care. And he just keeps walking in the bike lane. And then the biker, who was clearly annoyed, just decides, yeah, okay. And he starts pedaling faster. And then the guy just keeps walking in the bike lane, looking right at him. And so the biker, I'm not making this up, he puts his head down, stops looking at his surroundings, and starts pedaling faster. And I'm making this up, man. He was going like a million miles an hour. It was like Lance Armstrong on PEDs, right? And I'm like... This is going to get ugly. And at the last second, the guy just jumped back over into the walking lane and missed the entire collision. And I ceased having the panic attack. And I was thinking about that. I don't think the Lord calls us to do stuff just to run over people. But I do think that sometimes I would have been scared to death to have the type of faith that guy had on the bike that I wasn't about to cause some major damage to myself and to that person. And yet he just put his head down and just kept pedaling. See, I think Elizabeth in this passage, she demonstrates the type of faith where she is so fixated on what God has set before her, that he is a faithful God, that he has desired for her to have this child. She just fixates on that and she just keeps going, almost puts her head down and gives up the steering wheel, so to speak, to the Lord. 
I want to tell you, if you want to be a world changer, sometimes it requires that we not get distracted by all the things in our life and the struggles and the battles that we face. And the scriptures teach us in the book of Hebrews to keep our eyes fixated on the author and the perfecter of our faith, Jesus. That's how it gets us through the difficult times and the situations. We see that in Elizabeth's life. If you're taking notes, I'm going to move quickly. If you want to be a world-changing woman, that number one, if you're a world-changing woman, you have to have faith like Jesus. A world-changing woman has faith like Jesus. Remember the type of faith that Jesus had. He could have chosen any time in human history to come into his being, and he chose when the Jewish community was actually oppressed by the Roman government. He was born into a family that was not wealthy or even middle class. We know that they were poor. Because in the Gospel of Luke, when at 12 years old, Jesus and his family go to make a sacrifice at the temple, they offered doves, which is what the poor people did. The middle class offered goats or, or lambs. The upper class offered bulls. And so he was born into a poor family when they are invaded and oppressed by a foreign government. And he lives out 30 years to this blue-collar family, eventually starts three years of active ministry that were extremely difficult, traveling as a nomad around, telling people about the coming kingdom of God, to repent and believe. And at the end of that, we know that he goes finally to fulfill what his heavenly father had asked of him, to save all of humanity through his crucifixion and his resurrection, that he had to endure the most gruesome way to die in that culture as you suffocated to death on the cross in front of your friends and family. And he did all of that, I believe, so that you and I could be here today, receive the good news of his sacrifice, that we could spend eternity in heaven, and, as Darren shared last week, experience the kingdom of God at work in our life now, that God wants to use you, but it takes to have faith like Jesus. And, And while we'll never be perfect this side of heaven, Elizabeth demonstrates in this passage how to have unswerving faith. To say, God, you're in control of the steering wheel. Just use my life. I'm going to keep, all I have to do is be faithful and obedient to you. You might be familiar with the story, but for those who aren't, I'm going to read what happens here in Luke chapter uh, 1, verse 11. It goes on to say, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Zechariah, the dad. By the way, Elizabeth succeeds, but Zechariah is going to fail miserably. Standing at the right side of the altar of incense, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. Zach, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are, called to, or you are to call him John. Been praying for decades. You're about to have a son. Name him John. And then look what they say right after this, verse 14. Not only are you going to have the son you've been praying for, he will be a joy and delight to you. That's a good thing, parents, right? (laughs) That's not always what it's like. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Verse 16, he will bring back many of its, of, uh, its people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. It says, hey, Zach, you're going to finally have a son like you've been praying for. And you're not just going to have a son. He's going to be awesome. Like you're going to enjoy his presence. He is going to change the course of human history, bring people back to the Lord in your culture. He's going to bring uh, parents and children together. It's going to be amazing. You're going to have the best son ever. Now, I don't know about you, But if I'd been praying like that and I received that kind of word from the Lord and an angel appeared before me, I'd be like, awesome. 
this is the best. Thank you, Lord. You answered my prayers. He, he doesn't respond like that. And I find often when God calls us to greater responsibility to be used by him to change the world, we have more questions than we do thankfulness. Look what Zechariah says here. He asked the angel, mm, that's great, but how can I be sure of this? <laughs> right? Like, I don't, I don't know. That's pretty far-fetched because I'm an, I'm an old man and my wife is well along in her years. She's being polite here. There is no chance this is going to happen. And yet, look what occurs next. Because of his choice in this passage of questioning God, rather than just focusing and fixating on what God's calling him to, he is not going to be able to talk for the entire pregnancy. It says this, after, excuse me, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent, not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words. Now, Elizabeth is going to have a different response. If we look down to verse 24, she responds this way. We don't get her initial response like Zechariah, but we know that she responds with thankfulness. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. Verse 25, the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Rather than going, this is impossible. How can this happen? How am I going to raise a child at this age? What's going to happen when I pass? Like none of, all she does is like, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Because of her unswerving faithfulness here, praying for all of those times, I believe God probably even honored some of her prayers in this passage. It doesn't mean that when we pray, he's always going to give us what we want. That's the reality of this life. But because of her faithfulness, I believe in this passage, not only does she not have her voice taken away, she's able to respond with thankfulness to the Lord. What Elizabeth does seems simple and less significant to some, but the mission of Jesus requires unwavering faith like Jesus. I've never met a, met a world changer who is truly used by God who didn't prioritize first their relationship with him. Thankful that they get to know him, to be with him, be more thankful that I get to spend time reading his word and connecting with him in prayer and coming together like we are, prioritizing, worshiping him, that the true world changer, that is the greatest asset that they have. Too many people that I have seen come to faith in Jesus, they go, I want to do what I'm being told to go change the world, and they go run out and start doing a bunch of stuff. And they haven't prioritized the number one most important thing, to have unwavering faith to spend time with him. That sometimes being is as important or more important than doing. Being with Jesus can be as important or more important than doing for Jesus. And we often get that backwards. I'd encourage you, next week we're starting a two-week series called Pit Stop. It's going to have a whole IndyCar theme. It's going to be super fun. You're not going to want to miss it as we talk about finding rest in the middle of the race, being with the Lord. Don't miss it. Next weekend, all our services are live at all our four normal service times. The following weekend, Memorial Day weekend, it's one of two weekends a year, the weekend after Christmas and Memorial Day weekend. We don't have our services live. We're only online. However, Wednesday the 23rd, as they shared, we're doing one massive service in here. It's going to be amazing. Uh, don't miss it. We've got ways we're going to make it work. We're going to take some chairs out. It's going to be a whole lot of fun worshiping together. Uh, but that's that Wednesday the 23rd. Third, Jesus always found time to just be with his heavenly father. Number one, have faith like Jesus. Number two, take risks like Jesus. See,
the reality is Jesus also was willing to risk everything for the cause that his father gave him. And world changers often do that. They, they're not just being with Jesus. Then once they're filled with him, they say, okay, I want to go and do for you. And I have met in our culture today, too many of us do too much and don't just be with Jesus. But there are those of us who have been in churches for decades and we know the scriptures and we come and worship together, but we never go and take his good news outside the walls of the building to share our faith and to help those in need, the twofold mission that every believer is called to. What would it look like in your life to take risks for Jesus Christ. Elizabeth takes what seems like a small cultural risk, but I would argue that it's an important one. Verse 57, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her grace, mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah. In that culture, when you had a child, you would, on the eighth day, it was a big deal for the male. He was circumcised and received the name of his father as the firstborn or at least a family name of some kind. And instead, but his mother spoke up and said, this is important, no! <laughs> Exclamation point. She is going to stand up and say, no, he is to be called John. Almost like saying to the community, because look how they respond here in the next verse. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. People are going to ask questions. Where did this child come from? How disrespectful to your husband. No, I will do what the Lord has said. All I have to focus on is to hold unswervingly to keep my eyes fixated on the author and perfecter of my faith. And allow you, that's what will sustain me through any situation. I've seen it before in my life, and now I will see it again. And she does. Elizabeth risks social ridicule for obeying God. Here's what I'll tell you. If you want to change the world, I've never met a world changer that didn't see increased levels of difficulty, challenges, and even spiritual battles and attacks that occur. When we first moved here to plant the church, we felt God had called us here, and it was a crazy story. Within months, we were living in Indiana, moved from Southern California, and a month later, we, not only did we not have health insurance, we found out our unborn son had a genetic disorder and was supposed to die in the womb. Many of you know that story. He was born, he lived two weeks and passed. It was the most difficult six months of our entire lives. Never want to endure that again. And it happened during this first six months of planting Mercy Road Church. And I look and look back now all these years later, and I can see how God can use any situation in any circumstance in our lives. If we truly risk for him, we are going to see increased spiritual battles. It's going to happen in your marriage. It's going to happen with your children. It's going to happen all around you. But if you hold unswervingly and keep your eyes fixated on the author and perfect your faith, you'll be amazed at what he can do. Now, I just want to say this as a man. I want you to hear from three women who have all tried to change the world for Jesus Christ in seemingly small ways. And they all have seen obstacles as they have done that. Let's watch this video together. Well, I think it started about 20 years ago and I was living in the suburbs of Chicago had just quit my career in fashion and um, had our first baby. So we moved, I had a baby, and I quit my career. And there was a lot of change going on. And I actually really found myself lifeless and without purpose and was actually diagnosed with postpartum depression. 
I think what had happened was I got so intrigued with the world, I had sort of put God on the back burner. And so this trial came and I really had a sense that I need to get back to my faith. I found some friends in the suburbs and we all were staying home with our first little babies and they wanted to start a book group. And I said, why don't we start a Bible study? And so I said, I'll go to my church and ask our pastor if they can find someone to teach this Bible study. So they said, yeah, yeah, let's do that. And so I went to my pastor and he said, um, I don't have anybody, but why don't you do it? And I said, no, there is no way. I don't have any training. And, um, I had every excuse in the world. And then I thought, what the heck? We can all just sit down. And that's what we did. And we all came together. It was like 10 of us, all from different walks of life. And, but our main common theme was we all were probably struggling about our identity because we had all quit our careers and we were looking for fulfillment. And so from that 10, um, it grew to be about 200 women. And I was shocked. Everything that I do I flows out of who I believe I am. And I believe with the core of me that I am his daughter. And with that, I know what I have and I know what I can do. So that impacts my world as far as my family, my coworkers, my friends, my neighbors, outposts, and everything else that I come in contact with. One of the biggest obstacles that I have found, um, I believe God spoke to me through, clearly through something I was studying one time, and I was reading about how God really wants hearts that are surrendered. So I asked him, you know, Lord, what is it that you want me to surrender in my life? And very clearly, he said, time. It was very clear, so I had to be obedient to that. And it's been so amazing to have consistent time that I spend with him. It's been life-changing for me. Wanting to be a world changer, I, that concept sounds pretty big, I think. And I often think, can you change the world in which you are in, meaning your area of influence. If it's on the sports field, if it's in music, if it's at your school and you're opening the lunch containers for the kids because you're helping out at lunchtime, that all of us are image bearers of Christ. And just by saying a kind word or encouraging word to a child, I see the impact of it now later. Also, uh, doing things afraid because you're always gonna feel fear in some of these things because often I find what God has asked me to do I'm never comfortable in. But having the willingness to be available and knowing that He will equip you along the way. God is calling me to help start Multiply Magazine and one of the obstacles is that I am not equipped to do this. So He gave me a vision for it but I am the least qualified person on the whole team to be doing this. In that, I just have to pay attention to what I am good at, which I think that the Lord made me really excitable. So when I get excited about something, I do it really quick and I start it really quick and I have a lot of excitement. So sometimes that can be a downfall, but for this, it really helped launch it off the ground. One of the obstacles is obviously being a mom of three young kids, um, nine, five, and three, and having my office also be known as the kids' playroom. Uh, so just dividing my attention between taking care of the magazine stuff and taking care of the kids and 
Um, sometimes it wasn't 100% balanced, but we got through it. And the cool thing is that we got a magazine and you can pick it up today at the Connect Center for a dollar. God is so amazing and I think that to really show the world who what he's like, we have to experience him for ourselves. And I really experienced that in my life when I was in bed rest with our third son about a year and a half ago when my middle son Isaiah was diagnosed with leukemia. Now of course, if somebody tells you your son got diagnosed with cancer, it would rock anyone's world. And I just remember being so fearful. And I know that God has not given us a spirit of fear, so I just remember just seeking him and just asking him, God, what, I don't know what to do. I'm just so afraid and I don't know what to do. And he gave me a verse and it was from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 41, 10. And he talks about, he says, fear not. He goes on to say a couple more things and he says, for I am your God. And the moment that I read, I am your God, it's just, I just had his peace that surpasses all understanding over me because the Holy Spirit reminded me of who my God is. I know he's kind, I know he's good, I know he's the only one in control. And he reminded me of all my experiences that I had in the past with him. I know who my God is. So my peace, my joy, and my confidence rested in who my God is. And um, I just want to encourage you today, if you're here today and you want to be a world changer and you want to impact this world for Him, we have to begin with spending regular time with Him. You have to get to know Him for who He is. It's going to change your world. I am a world-changing woman. I am a world-changing woman. I am a world-changing woman. Isn't that cool? Can we thank those women for sharing? And there are literally hundreds of stories like that. There's just three, and we want to continue to share more of those stories. It's probably why for some of you, maybe you've thought about, man, if I ever had a child diagnosed with leukemia like Invita Elder has had to endure, you think there's no way possible I could get through that. Some of you have thought, man, if, if God asked me to go lead other people to him or lead a Bible study like Becky Hitchcock mentioned, which... 20 years later, she can see the huge impact the seemingly small decision made. Or maybe it's like my wife that was asked to, to go start this magazine, and she literally was the most delicate. We have an amazing team of people who had background in journalism, and, and we have a magazine today. And you think, I could never go out and take new ground for the kingdom. I want to tell you, you can't. You can't. You can't get through your son's leukemia. At least I can't. What I've seen going through the loss of a child, what you can get through is when you do it with Jesus. When you know you're truly not alone. When you go, man, I don't think I could ever do something like this, but God's going to get me through. And my wife would be the first to tell you she really struggled as leading a team on this. But this magazine is phenomenal. I really mean that. I encourage you to pick this up today. We're just trying to recoup the cost. You get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of work for $1 today. I went out and bought like 20 of them, giving them out to my family and friends. The coolest part is the cover story is the first female and African-American uh, MBA CEO ever. And she's the devout follower of Jesus, Sint Marshall. She's the CEO of the Dallas Mavericks. So you got to check this out and read the stories in there. Sint is also the mom of Ken Marshall that sometimes plays in the band with Aaron Pelsu. Isn't that cool? So be sure and wipe us out of those this morning. But I was thinking about that with our final point. 
That if you want to be a, a world-changing woman, you have to have faith like Jesus and risk like Jesus, but you have to surrender your situation to Jesus. And I want to tell you, if you're here and you're going through something, I don't know what the situation is that you're facing. I don't know what the circumstances are, but I want to tell you God can change your story and he can use the story that you have. And I share this. I shared this at the first service. My, my wife, who was just up there sharing, helping try and lead a magazine, I have seen her grow in her faith so much, especially the last couple of years. She was born in with just a, a single mom. She didn't meet her dad till she was 13 years old. Hasn't talked to him since. The statistics say a woman like that is going to have a lot of difficulties in life to try and break through barriers. But I want to tell you, when Jesus is with you, you can break those barriers. You will not be defined by your situations or your circumstances. Elizabeth doesn't go, oh, I'm old and I'm barren and I'm never going to be able to have kids. I'm a worth. Like she goes, no, the Lord is here and I will continue to pray. But I know regardless of how he answers the prayer, I'm going to get through. And when she does give birth to John the Baptist, he will go on to change the world. It's the small decisions in our situations and circumstances that can truly change the world. Have you surrendered your situation to the Lordship of Jesus? I can tell you firsthand, as I've seen in my wife's life, it can work and it does work. It takes hard work, though, but the, the reward is so amazing. Verse 65 and 66, because of Elizabeth's faithfulness and her willing to risk cultural ridicule, verse 65, all the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. When they see the faithfulness of just saying, I'm going to be obedient to you, Lord. I'm going to keep pedaling. I'm going to trust you that you're going to guide the wheel. And I'm going to go downhill with you and give you control. People go, man, there's something different that is going on here. How were you able to go through those circumstances, the loss of a child, or to be your first time without your mother here with you, or whatever it is that you're facing, and you can go, well, it's because Jesus Christ is in my life, and there's nothing that can separate me from the Lord and his love for me. Elizabeth was old, barren, married to a doubting husband, by the way, and yet she is able to change the world. Elizabeth's risk-taking faith allows God to overcome her circumstances. I don't know what your circumstances are, what situation you are facing, but I want to ask you that question as we close out our time together. You see, we are celebrating all women, and we are celebrating moms and all the hard work you have to go through, but there are a lot of different types of moms, aren't there? Uh, Pastor Dana actually posted this online, and I want to read it out loud to you because I thought it was so powerful that we're not just remembering the moms this weekend who got their kids ready and look really good and got here on time and have everything perfect, and we're all jealous of you. We are thankful for you, and we do want to celebrate you, but we are also celebrating and thankful for the foster moms in the room. The I'm struggling with infertility, but dreams of being a mom moms. The, the moms with kids in, in prison moms, and the, the single moms, and the bitter moms, and the grief-filled moms, and the stepmoms, and the grandmothers with empty nests, but who pray for their hearts out for their kids and grandkids moms, and the world best aunt moms. Do we have any aunt moms out there? Yeah, baby. We're celebrating you this weekend, and the lonely moms, and the birth moms, and the mothers and the women celebrating their first Mother's Day since their own mom's death moms and the angry moms and the moms of kids with special needs and the moms whose kids have passed away 
and the addicted moms and the I've lost custody of my kids and I'm hurt and ashamed moms and the I've never had a mom around to teach me things and I feel like I'm winging it in life moms, the sick moms, the my mom was abusive moms, the my mom was the best mom out there and I'm living in her shadow moms and I don't enjoy the stage of life moms and the adopted moms and the pregnant teen moms and the suicidal moms. And those of us who have widowed moms or my, my, my kids don't listen or talk to me anymore, moms, or those of you out there loving everybody else's kids, moms, celebrating everyone in every circumstance in the situation that you faith, because if you hold on swervingly to the author and perfecter of your faith, have that type of faith and to risk it all for Jesus and surrender your situation to his lordship, you'll be amazed throughout your life. Those very basic things, it's hard, those very basic things, the wake of impact that they could make. Because the Apostle Paul says, as we close this out together, that if you're sitting here thinking, I could never do that. God doesn't work in my life like that. I have never experienced the love of God like that. You don't understand what I've done in my life. You don't understand what's been done to me. You don't understand my circumstances and my situation. No, I, no, I do not. But our Heavenly Father does. And he used the Apostle Paul to write to the church in Rome in Romans 8, 35, you see, Elizabeth knew God could handle her situation and he can handle your situation too. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Romans 8, shall trouble or hardship or persecution, I don't know what your situation is, or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered, knowing all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, he raises the stakes, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Your situation does not define you. The Lordship of Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of your faith, is what does. Will you pray with me as we close out this service together? God, I thank you for all these people who have come here on this day to celebrate you, to ask you to speak to us. May we walk out of here thankful for the reckless love you have in our life. But the truth is, for some of us in the room or attending online, we know about your love and we desire to change the world but we've never fully surrendered every aspect of our life to your Lordship. We might have salvation, but we haven't surrendered our situation. If that's you in the room, no matter what your circumstances or situation that you are facing, I want to invite you to surrender that to the Lordship of Jesus right now, that God would use that situation to change the world. Pray this with me. God, I confess that I need you more than ever. I can't get through this without you. Tell them whatever that situation is. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage, you're struggling with your kids, or you're struggling with your finances, or you've lost someone, or you're hurting, or you're broken, or you're lost. Surrender it to them. We've all got them. God, on this day, Mother's Day 2018, I surrender everything in my life to your Lordship. May you use my circumstances and situation to change the world. We love you, Lord, and we praise you, and we give you our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.